0: Welcome, everybody, to another great episode of Real Talk. Uh, This guest, I'm bringing on for the second time. He is, uh, I would say, kind of a legend in the electronics industry. He brings so much knowledge and wisdom. Um, I first met him almost two years ago at at an event uh, at the Electronic Representative Association event. Um, and where I learned so much. And he was so open arms to myself and coming in and the generation and the thoughts and the, the views. And he was so receptive to me. It brought energy, it brought light. And I'm so happy to have him back on the show, Mr. Walter Tobin.
1: Thank you. Thanks very much, Rob. Delighted to be back and uh, really enjoy all of your sessions. Uh, I, I watched them all and they're really uh, very well done, very well put together and very thought-provoking. So
0: Congratulations. No, thank you. I mean, I, I can add a little bit more about this. Just to give you a little kudos of, you know, the last two years has been hard for all of us, you know, in electronics, component supply chain, the pandemic, everything has shifted. But ERA, I can say, even though in the midst of shutdowns and things, you guys really, as you say, you bridged the gap, you guys kept moving forward. You persevered through. You. you kept because of the. You have hundreds of members apart from distributors, representatives, manufacturer, head of your organization, and you kept moving forward, creating plans, virtual, going virtual, learning, just jumping in, and leading by example to really lead. Because some people, I always said the hundreds of other companies out there, and smaller rep companies, couple man shops to hundreds to dozens to hundreds of people, and you really led that example to show we can do this. We can do this together. We can do this as a community and we can bring everybody together to make this a better and, and, and evolve and move forward. And through all the sessions you boot every week or a couple of times, the water coolers, the online, and then having to face another cancellation of ERA last this last, this previous year for the ERA conference and then taking it digital. And now, you know, these are a lot of things that you persevered. You didn't, didn't stop you. And you led by example to show everybody, Hey, we can do this. Just follow, you can follow me or lead by example and do this together. So I really appreciate you, Walter, for leading that charge with ERA. And also, I know partners with ECIA for EDS and all these things moving forward. It's, it's been um, very, as I said, for me myself, it's uh, that wisdom, that legend and say, hey, I'll, I'll take you. Just jump on my back. We'll take you through. Don't worry. We're there for you. So thank you, Walter. My pleasure. My pleasure. Yeah, so uh, I want to get to a quick, you know, give some of the audience people a quick little, just a little overview quickly about, you know, what's ERA's mission and core values and what is ERA? What does it an, an encompass? Sure.
1: So ERA is a uh, an 85-year-old not-for-profit trade association that started off as a rep association that had only manufacturers' reps. And uh, over time, we had, we opened up membership to manufacturers because without manufacturers, the reps have nothing to sell. And about uh, 10 years ago, we opened up membership to distribution. So uh, you know, uh, between the the rep and the manufacturer and the distributor, we think we have all three legs of the stool. If you're a, a rep in the field, and you're the, the distributor branch, the IBS branch of the field, you want the reps and the distributor branch to be in line with each other, so that the manufacturer up here, if you're the manufacturer, you want your channel, you have a rep cha- a strategy and a channel strategy, you want all three of those legs of the stool working hard to support the end customer. So we talk a lot about sales strategies. We talk a lot about the customer. We talk a lot about sales practices, but we are originally a rep association and uh, we've evolved over time to include all three, uh, three memberships. If we added the customer, we would go from a stool to a table. So we don't think we're going to add the customer. We think the customer is uh, is not really part of membership, but really what we, uh, what we do is really, um, talk about that relationship of the rep and the distributor uh, branch in the field. So that's really the, what we do. That's really the core value and we've evolved. Uh, As you said, we've evolved over the years uh, to become a full fledged association. We have over 600 members and uh, you know, we uh, we've worked hard to try to continue to evolve and show our value through the last two years uh, of, of different times. So, as you talked about, we uh, we pivoted from a, from a con- or in-person conference last February, we we pivoted to a virtual conference. It was hugely successful. Uh, and as a result of that, we pivoted now to conducting virtual sales training, which we're doing next week. Uh, we have about 150 people signed up to do virtual sales training for those people that really will probably never be able to attend the conference in, in February. These are frontline inside, outside salespeople the people that are doing all the work, frankly, that companies can't afford to take off the phones or off the road. We're focusing on sales training for those people. So that's really what we've done. We've tried to evolve and uh, really continue to provide value for all three of our membership constituents, the manufacturers, reps, the distributors, and the manufacturers.
0: Yes, thank you for that quick uh, overview. And you know what, I wanna do a quick, I wanna I want share for some people in the video watchers, I wanna quickly share um, uh, the, the ERA, website for you so we'll go to a screen share a little bit for all of you to watch everybody in the electronics industry you can see this is eria.org um they have all the titles you don't of course you don't have to be a member to look at this to come here you can see all the opportunities you can see what's available to you to become a member and all the tools they have through the resources everything is here through the eri for the COVID-19 the member guides they have every how-to process of electronics distribution representatives or manufacturing to be a part of it and really bring the community together because we grow together we get strong as they said stronger together we get stronger together and through there also has he uh, mentioned they have their new virtual sales training which the banner will come up here for what's happening and also the era conference next year in austin and so they have water coolers They say, just open talk. They bring a lot of guest speakers in the industry. And here's the 2021 ERA virtual sales training, which starts next week. And it'd be a great tool for new and experienced people to sharpen their swords, to understand what virtual is, to get into it. It's, these are really great tools for everybody in the electronics industry to come aboard. And I really, again, thank you for, for really making the shift and change. And as I said, this the, your website has evolved in the last two years as well.
1: Right. It has. We've, we've spent a lot of time and precious, uh, precious capital that we have, you know, we're a not for profit association, but we've invested very heavily in our digital footprint, our digital image, uh, you know, as, as certainly taken the lead and suggestions that that you have on all of these, uh, uh, these uh, uh, talk uh, podcasts, Rob, we, we really have listened. And we have a really, I think, one of best in class uh, websites.
0: Yeah, you're you're doing a great job, and as I say, it's getting better and better. And, and thank you for that. And I think it's also leading the way for a lot of others in the industry as reps. of really, hey, you know, we're all moving. We're it's it's a new world. It's not going to go. There's no new. It's the new normal. It's a new world, and it's very technology driven these days. So again, yeah. thank you. So moving forward, I wanted to really discuss. You know, we this year we had a little challenge in the last month as the electronic distribution show, which got canceled, and um, really. What, you know, the, this again, in person, everybody was really excited. I was too, because I was going to participate. We're going to do some real talk. I had some real fun things happening, but of course we, we couldn't have this meeting face to face, but how, what, what what on the warden streets and the people you talked to and other conferences and calls you had, what what do you, what's your feedback of not this, this being canceled moving forward? What, what type of feedback are you getting from all the representatives manufacturers out there?
1: Well, I think everybody wants to get back to uh, what I call in-person meetings. You know, you can you can establish a relationship. You can build a relationship with a customer in what I call, you know, video is face-to-face, isn't it? It's not in person, but it's face-to-face. So people talking about getting back face-to-face. Video conferencing is, in fact, face-to-face in case people haven't figured that out. <laughs> or they don't turn their camera on, uh, which is another. If you're on a video call, and you don't turn your camera on. Duh. What's the purpose of being on a video call? But anyway, we, we talk a lot about uh, how do we replace uh, EDS? How do, what do we do when it was canceled? So we, uh, we run a lot of, uh, you know, uh, sessions, best practices on how to do video conferencing, what the best practices are. How do you get a video appointment with a customer? How long should you schedule it for? Do you have an agenda? You know, make sure you're prepared. You know, you just can't get on a call and wing it Uh, because, you know, a customer, it's no longer acceptable to say to a customer, I'll have to get back to you. They don't want to hear that. They expect you to be prepared, to have the right people. Frankly, you can continue to do buddy calls between the rep and the distributor and maybe the manufacturer, all three of you on video calls remote talking to the customer. It's a face-to-face meeting, isn't it? Not in person, but you can continue to do that. So we provided a lot of valuable uh, tools to replace EDS, to replace some of the meetings that people are going to have at EDS, to help people navigate this this new world. Uh, you know, you mentioned the water cooler calls. Uh, we run them every two weeks. We had one yesterday talking about the training. Uh, they they are open to the industry. You don't have to be a member of ERA. You don't have to be a member of ERA to participate. All of the, the talks are archived on the website uh, in front of the passwords. So you can listen to all the talks really to provide some sort of a service to the industry. So people want to get connected. People want to see everybody. You can do a lot of that virtually if you if you know how to do it right and you're not, you know, uh, winging it and you're not prepared. So that's some of the things that we do um, to help replace EDS. All of us are very disappointed uh, that we didn't have EDS. All of us are looking forward very much next month to the ECIA conference. We're hoping that that, that goes on. Mm-hmm. I talked to Dave uh, Dave Loftus last week. Mm-hmm. It's an excellent conference. Uh, so hoping that that is a chance for all of us to get together. But, you know, with EDS, what frankly we're, we're looking at is what's going to be different next May. Yeah. Because, you know, COVID will probably be around next May. And how do we make sure that people don't get used to saying, I didn't go to EDS if this would be two years now. My numbers are okay. Why do I need EDS? Maybe I shouldn't go. We want to make sure that people know the value of EDS in you can't establish you can establish a professional relationship with people doing this. You can't really establish a personal relationship to have lunch with somebody, to have dinner with somebody, to take them out for a round of golf or go to a ball game with them. Uh, because they face the the in-person meetings, Rob, as you know, Sometimes the best meetings are the meetings before or after the meeting, as you're walking into the conference room. You're walking out and say, "Listen, let me tell you, I really didn't mean to say that, but this is what this is what I really want to talk to you about." Or on the golf course, or on a on a uh, athletic event. That's what you want to establish is the is the personal relationship to augment the professional relationship. So all those things happen at EDS, and uh, we're trying to work hard to make sure people know how to do this virtual world uh, properly, you know, in a prepared.
0: Yeah. I want to yeah. add to that because I was on the water cooler talk a couple weeks ago when you're talking about when my can- uh, EDS was canceled that same week and really what changes should we make? Because of course EDS was meant for the reps and distributors uh, to all meet or manufacturers for their quarterlies or annuals and what's going on. But a lot of that stuff can be done now digitally. Uh, but so the in-person could have more value of more creative learning, more uh, build relationship building, more activity-based, and also really bringing some more value of digitalization. How is the digital world changing? And, all, and also brainstorming, like, you know, having, you know, the manufacturers, everybody together and like really right. brainstorming visions. Okay, what are we going to do with the future? How are we going to work together? And I would, uh, as, a, as a manufacturer, as a distributor, could get that feedback from all the rep in person because they're not like reports at that point. It's just brainstorming. Putting things yeah. together, put it on the board. This is the way it's going to be. This is what we're going to change. This is digitalization. Also promoting, you know, the technology of how we are uh, promoting the, the world, having you know, seminars of you know how to digitalize your company or how to revolutionize, you know, because of course the tier one guys all have a lot of capital to do a lot of things in place, but the smaller guys don't have all that, so it's a great resource for them to bring and to really change the way EDS is, I would say. Um, the show goes on, and uh, because right. of a lot of fifty percent could be done now virtually, and fifty percent in person should be even more quantified to get a better result for the new ex- and existing um, members that come to it. Um, as I said, the new generation is a whole new generation of people coming to the workforce, and we want these people to to join. What's happening? Come to right. yeah. And you know, you go to EDS,
1: you have a, a whole set of schedule of meetings. But you have a lot of unplanned meetings that you end up having. You know, uh, you run into somebody at the bar afterwards. You run into somebody at lunch. And, gee, they used to be with company A, now they're with company B. And or somebody you were trying to get in touch with, all of a sudden you meet them. Or somebody introduces you. Hey, this is Rob Tauby. Oh, I've been trying to get a hold of you, Rob. Those unplanned meetings sometimes are the best result of EDS, the ones that you didn't have on your schedule. So all of that we miss. All of us uh, miss it, as I said, uh, you know, hopefully the ECIA conference will happen. We'll have our conference uh next uh next February and uh EDS next May. So we're all looking forward to getting back in person.
0: Yeah, I guess I say, is you I cannot um emphasize anymore is you going need to put yourself where the people are at. The people are if people are at a conference or chill, sure you gotta be there to rub elbows. And to anybody, listen, that's how I look at it. You know, I put put yourself where the people are at. When I put myself where the people are at, at the ERA conference in Austin <laughs> years ago. Look where we got. I met so many people, and most of it wasn't in-person meetings. It was through a just walk by, having a drink, rubbing elbow, meeting some of the presidents, of the company, the executive, the C levels, and just you know just asking, "Hey, how are you?" I you know, and that's as you said, that value right. comes a lot. We're putting yourself with people out to get recognized, and again, we have to. We earn our way through and we build relationships this way. We're Humans like to do business with humans, not really computers still. If you don't go to EDS, your competition
1: may be at EDS meeting with your suppliers or your distributors. Yes. So the fact that you decide not to go, you open the door for your competition to get in there and say, hey, where's, where's company A? Well, they're not here. Well, maybe they're struggling financially. You don't want to open the door for your competition to meet with your, your manufacturers, your distributors, your reps, 100%. You
0: need to be there. So now I want to jump into a little bit because um, you have a, your ears You have your ears on the ground and connected to a lot of the supply chain world. And we all know how we got here. A lot of that comes to through a lean supply chain just in time, all the, the snaps, right. all the things that broke in. Um, but overall, I mean, we can see how, my question to you um, is really what you see in the next uh, two, say, I would say two to three years Of how supply chain uh needs to improve and change to be able to mitigate these disruptions that we're having through natural disasters or through a pandemic like that
1: well it's a it's a simple question with kind of a complicated answer Mm -hmm. um i think the question is how do we get here uh you know what what happened and uh, again, I'm not I'm not a supply chain expert. I just am an industry citizen. I know what we've been going through the last 15 years. You go back 15 years ago, the talk was outsourcing. If you were the CEO of a company, you didn't outsource manufacturing overseas, you were replaced because Wall Street didn't want you to take precious working capital invested in new factories, new fabs, outsource, outsource, outsource. That was the battle cry from all the business schools and from Wall Street. Then we then we went through 10 years. Of lean manufacturing. Remember that? Lean manufacturing, just in time manufacturing. I want that, that, uh, that reel of, of, of capacitors or chips to show up on the line one second before it's used. Nobody wants inventory. Everybody's taking the inventory like a hot potato and put it on somebody else's PL. Mm-hmm. Lean manufacturing, uh, working capital. We don't want working capital invested in inventory. The publicly traded distributors need to have their churns well over 10. Uh, to justify the, uh, the, 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 the demands of Wall Street. So what happened? Pandemic hit. We had a huge increase in unforecasted demand. Chromebooks. Who would ever predict that we were going to sell a gazillion Chromebooks? Do You think Chromebooks have a few capacitors and resistors and semiconductors? Uh, the automotive industry continues to, to, uh, to demand increased uh, use of semiconductors had a huge increase in ventilators. Remember ventilators? We couldn't find ventilators. There was an increase in ventilators. Everybody had to upgrade their laptops and their because the cameras didn't work on the laptops. Everybody needed uh, improved bandwidth because they're sharing their house with their husband, wife, son, daughter, boyfriend, girlfriend. So all the uh, Internet providers ordered a huge amount of unforecasted modems, Mm -hmm. unforecasted demand that they needed inside lead time. The lead time is 12 weeks, 16 weeks, 20 weeks to build something, and I need it in two weeks. So therefore, there was a huge shift to distribution. Mm -hmm. Distribution needed to have the inventory, wanted to have the inventory. And so distribution continues to do a great job Mm -hmm. of satisfying unforecasted demand inside lead time. Mm -hmm. It's it's become a $100 billion industry worldwide. Why? Because... Customers struggle with, with giving their their suppliers and their distributors accurate forecasts. Number two, manufacturers struggle with giving the industry accurate and up-to-date lead time. So if the industry could fix lead time accuracy from the manufacturer and accurate forecast from the customers, those two things would help tremendously solve the, the supply chain problem. It's never going to happen. Customers have unforecasted demand from their customers, so they need product. Manufacturers continue to uh, get unforecasted demand. So here we go. Uh, it's it's never going to get, well, hopefully it'll get better. Hopefully it'll, it'll even out uh, when we get, uh, you know, maybe some double ordering that's going on. Maybe some of that goes down. But really it was a result of the last 15 years of us treating inventory as a dirty word. Wall Street thinks of inventory as a dirty word. The publicly traded distributors have to have their turns well over 10. The privately held distributors are making a fortune because their inventory turns are two to three and are able to bring inventory and in, hold inventory and satisfy customers. So I think that we're probably in this uh, for at least uh, probably through Q2 of next year okay. until things that- settle down.
0: Yeah, same thing I heard of what's happening. Thank you for that giving a little simplification of how we got here and through what's going to change in the next year to two years. But of course, it's the inventory distribution and supply chain. How do you think, um, since the pandemic has really pushed us into a technology, my opinion, how I I put a technology revolution, it's like the new technology era, of this next decade of how more compute, more power, more IoT, all the bandwidth has increased so we can use a lot more um of of electronics usage is going to i would say incrementally 2 3 5 10x in the next decade right. of usage right. um how do you think that's going to play out with the demand increasing and the digitalization of how we communicate today through the supply chain
1: well you know you you've seen a, ra- a rapid increase in apis from the customers the automation of supply chain uh you know we talked a lot about IOT the last two years. I, I, I should have thrown IOT in there as in uh, 5G were the things that also were, were, the, were the talk of, uh, you know, the the uh, the talk du jour uh, the last two years. I think what's going to happen is you're going to have a tremendous acceleration of the supply chain and the automation of the supply chain from the big, big customers. I think the medium and small customers will still probably try to continue to do things um A little bit more in the old fashioned manner because they don't have the sophistication. They don't have the financial wherewithal to really automate a lot of their supply chain. But really, it's all based around you can you can you can send and receive inaccurate information as fast as you want it. You know, I mean, really, the information has to be accurate. Doesn't matter how you send it. I can get it input. You know, input has to be correct. <laughs> yeah. So what we what we what we don't want to be doing is sending inaccurate information quicker between the manufacturer and the distributor, the distributor and the customer. That has to happen. The forecasting has to get much better by the customers. The forecasting, the the, uh, the lead time uh, 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 communication has to get a lot better from the manufacturers. I think that's really what's going to happen, but there will be an acceleration. The speed of of what's going to happen will accelerate. I'm not too sure about the accuracy of what we're sending faster. So that's really is the basics. Let's yeah. send things being a little bit slower, but let's make it a little bit more accurate.
0: Yeah, I mean, I can break that down. Is the as I said, in, input is it? You need an input to get an output, and if the garbage in is garbage out, the biggest the biggest challenge for us is to change that mindset of, you know, because we all worked off the manual ways of excels and process. And we, a lot, I mean, you got, you got to, we all like sometimes manage ourselves out of an outlook. We organize ourselves through an outlook through list and process through the digitalization. And we have to move forward to transfer data faster. But ha- as you said, it has to be clean. It has to have less errors. We need to reduce the amount of error that creates waste. That waste is what we are creating inefficiencies, communication tools. So we have all these fancy tools, but Still, I don't think we have the education skill set with the users to understand that how effective and taking the less time and and be more patient of the details to put in a system to communicate. Just like you said, like the tier ones can have all these fancy systems, but the tier two, say tier two, tier three manufacturers are actually supporting the tier ones. They are building a, a module. They're building a connector. They're building some widget that supports a tier one if that tier one can't connect to tier two or tier three, we got a problem because then there's still gonna be a gap of communication because it's it's error, it creates more error. doesn't matter how fantastic your supply chain what systems you use, if it, they're not communicating efficiently, we will have a problem. And APIs have opened that door mm-hmm. of faster, real time um, of of data transfer. We've
1: seen we've seen recently in the last two years, Rob, a a uh, movement of several major suppliers, manufacturers to try to take customers direct. And, you know, we're going to take customers direct. We can we can service them. We're going to have inventory. We're going to have people. What I think a lot of people miss is that uh, customers come to distribution for two things. Certainly they come for distribution for inventory. They also come to distribution for a line of credit. Distribution gives 30, 60, 90 days payment terms. Distribution provides flexibility. If you look at any publicly traded distributor, I just looked at one, 92% of their current assets were inventory and accounts receivable. So if you're a distributor, if you don't, if you sell, you know, you you get the inventory, you don't sell it, you go, you, you have a cash flow if you if you don't collect the the, uh, the 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 bills you get cash flow and that's a fine balance that distributors have to have to balance but the distributors are selling a line of credit you go to a bank and you you borrow money you get uh, they charge you interest you come to a distributor they ch- they charge you gross profit and again i'm i'm g- generalizing here but if you look at any distributor's balance sheet well over 80% of their current assets are accounts receivable that's, that's a good. big burden for the distributors to carry, and a lot of people don't realize that the distributors offer flexibility. You can move it in, you can move it out. We'll take returns. That that comes at a, that doesn't that doesn't come free, frankly.
0: Yeah, that brings me to a um, your your it's a great point. I love that you brought that topic is of inflation because that value of the price push down. Because as we know, the last ten years everything's cost down, cost reduction, cost reduction. They want an increased the the manufacturers want an increase the manufacturer of any type of end product want a better service want to be able to have better terms want to have better everything but pay less and that gets transferred to the distributor and the distributor's margins get smaller and the manufacturers are controlling whatever contract price whatever they set through through that process and that is the the as you can say simply the distributor becomes a bank and they charge margin but they can only they can't Be able to really invest capital equipment digitalization and process with such single digit margins and give that service that they're expecting and give the 90 to 120 and people know these terms are from these tier ones are very long and they're cash flowing the tier one the 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 ems or oem and then the distributor is is tight because hey their sales have grown but they can't buy more inventory because they're not getting paid, and that's a chain reaction. And that's really, I think, where we're into right now in this last year, especially with supply chain inflation is happening. People are realizing, hey, you want us to be able to deliver? Price increases are happening across the board. The commitment, not just the commitments, but because materials are going up, everything is in line now moving up because we can't live in this world just like you said, a price reduction every time. We need to balance that out.
1: The challenge of the the industry has to return to total cost of ownership. We talked about that 10 years ago, TCOO versus PPV. Uh, We we have to get away from customers buying from the distributor or the manufacturer based on one thing, the lowest price. Because buyers today, 10 years ago, they didn't have access to worldwide pricing. Today, every customer that you call on has access to worldwide pricing which is the lowest pricing in the world, everywhere in the world, instantaneously on his or her computer. So, but if, if you're selling it to a customer and say, well, you know, I'm going to lose the order. Well, I, I've, I've given you bonded inventory. I've never had a line down. I've been on time delivery. My quality is great. A lot of people need to start taking that in consideration again versus just the price. Because, you know, there's a saying, the most expensive part that any customer has in their bill of materials is the one they don't have. they're willing to pay anything for it. And if you look at the percentage of the cost of goods sold of a single component, it's 0.00001 as a percentage of cost of goods sold. If you build in a missile or a radar or anything, but yet the, 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 the order is awarded based on price. We need to get the industry to look at total cost of ownership. And that's a challenge that distributors have reps have manufacturers have to really try to get the customer to look at that TCO versus
0: Purchase price variance. Well, TC, I mean, I, I can't tell you how many QBRs I've been in with PPV, PPV, PPV in the last uh, 10, years, especially the last 10 years. Right. And yeah, you're right, it's the PPV and that they want the shirt off your back at the same time. Um, whatever, yeah, right? I mean, sometimes I've sometimes i used that joke, here's my jacket. What else do you need from me? <laughs> You know, you know, so, uh, but yeah, I mean, you, you you nailed it there. I mean, I really, um, th- that's the the TCO is a is full value of it and how it transfers down and how we're all trying to manage and mitigate this, um, the supply chain disruption, the cost, logistics, process, everything that's been inflated. And um, it's, to me, I mean, I, we feel it too, all our costs, even though business is, is stable, business is good, but all our operation costs have gone up meaning logistics cost, everything. And that has to transfer to somebody. It has to go somewhere. We can't just keep taking these at a certain point. And, and the other thing is we want to, at the same time, we want to invest capital into our company, reinvest the profit, profits to be able to build technology, to build interfaces, to be able to give those APIs for our customers. All this we want to do, but it, 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 we sometimes get constrained. It's like, which way do we do? What do we do? What is more important? Is it inventory or is it our software system? Mm-hmm. You know, th- that that come, as a distributor, we, we face that a lot. So these are a lot of the challenges I think a lot of people out there are facing which way we go. Um, but one thing come back to distributor standpoint is you're right. the distributors are more important than ever today. The value of distribution hasn't been there, like stocking distribution, stocking distributors, how they're taking the risk, they're taking the value. and all the online, the big guys as we know, the big online eat the catalog houses, have done a fantastic job, but now all the other tier ones that weren't so focused ever are trying to jump into that thing. It's like, wow, the, the buyer's habits have changed. The engineer's habits have changed. We've been pushing, they're, they're making decisions, not with persons as as much, they're making decisions online because all the data is in front of them. That's a great
1: point. Through, through the pandemic, we've talked about how we've changed and how we need to change. The customer has also changed. The engineers have also changed. They're not. They don't want to go back to the old ways of doing things. So we have to keep in mind that our customer has changed through the pandemic. We're going to be dealing with a brand new customer, brand new needs and wants. And uh, I don't need to see uh, you coming down every two weeks uh, to buy me lunch. It's a whole new world. And w- when it when we come out of this someday, it's not going to be the old ways. It's it's already a new world. It's already changed and. People that want to go back to the old ways are going to be left in the dust.
0: Yeah, I mean, that that e-commerce experience, that B2C experience is now being really now reflected into the manufacturing side because of user behavior, it's behavior. And the more data, we are, people don't realize data is more important than ever today. Con, as I say, content mm-hmm. is king, also data is king. The data to be able to get that and finding user journey because we can, that compute power is cheap now. So we can take data and we can really do the algorithms to figure out okay, what's the customer needing? What are they going on? What are they clicking on? Where is it going? We want to be able to give them that experience and anticipate their needs instead of just keep asking it. We want to be able to anticipate and feed them just like our cell phones and the computer does when we go to a website. Hey, I was talking about or searching and that came up on my feed. You know, these Customers, are- Customers-
1: the th-
0: yeah. I'm sorry. Customers today want you to
1: anticipate and solve their problems before it hits their inbox. That's what they want. They want no surprises. They want you to identify. So you, you as the rep and you as the distributor working on the supply chain, make sure that you identify and solve the problems before it ever hits the customer. Because the cut, you mentioned it earlier, Rob, all of us are used to instant gratification. I want to book a ticket on American Airlines. I want to book it right now. I want to go get something. I want an answer right now. You're not going to be able to say, well, listen, uh, you know, Mr. Mr. Rep, Mr. Dis- I-, I have a question. Well, I'll be in a week from Tuesday. That's when I'm going to swing by the, uh, St. Louis area. No, no. I-, I need an answer within 45 minutes. And well, I have to get somebody on the phone or I'm on a call, I'll have to get back to you. No, no, that, that doesn't work. Let me call somebody else that knows who they're talking about. So Winston gratification is permeated from our own world into the business world. They want the right answer, Today on the phone, maybe within forty-five minutes. Not next day. I'll get back to you in two days. Let me come in next week and talk to you. The design is gone by the time you by the time you get there. So, it's it, the world has changed, and we all have to uh, accept it and adapt to it.
0: Yeah, the design cycle um, of, of engineering has dramatically sped up because of compute. Because how fast the power of computers can do a lot of algorithms, engineers couldn't do as much manual. Took a lot more time, a lot more, of course, approval for UL still take time, but the concept, and I bring up up again, it's like, you know, with the Mr. Mr. Musk, Elon Musk himself says engineering is actually easier today than it's ever been, but the manufacturing of scaling is harder now to right, develop right. a new technology. So those are really, really uh, the, the words that you, ha- you have to listen to. It's like we need to anticipate the customers' needs, the engineers' needs. What are they looking for? And we need to use the data. And that's one thing I don't think in our industry we don't do enough of collecting that data and and manipulating and understanding it to be able to anticipate those needs. And Mm -hmm. a lot of there's a lot of big distributors doing it very well. There's a lot of others are not doing it very and everybody needs to catch up. And I would say sometimes wake up or we're gonna be you're gonna be left behind. Amen. yeah, that 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 is left behind because I I cannot, I cannot, I cannot uh that more technology now ourselves. We're trying to go through a technology revolution in our company globally through a I Mac mean, I, I mean give some experiences because there's old traditional way. There's old traditional way and it works. If it works, don't fix it. But it's not like it, it it works, but is it efficient? Is it fast? Can it can it be able to scale? You know, these are the things that sometimes you have to ask yourself can we scale this actually you can't you have to add too much manpower to scale it instead of using technology to assist the manpower to scale it and that's te- really- yeah. no i'm I- sorry
1: the technology of video conferencing
0: has been around for 25 years yeah nobody used it
1: if i was to tell you two years ago let me let me get let me get let's have a video call rob you would you would think well this guy creepy or a video call i've never had within within no more than 30 days after the pandemic hit, everybody was using video conferencing, everybody. Yeah. What was That was the, the tipping point to use video conferencing. What's the next tipping point? What's the next technology that we're not using? What's the next thing that's going to force us? Because this forced us to use this, this vehicle, we'll never go back. Somebody wanted to have a breakfast meeting with me in, in two weeks and I said, you know cuz it was going to require about an hour and a half drive for each of us i said why don't we just have a video call yeah. somebody i've never met let's have a video call so we're saving each each one of us 3 hours in the car and we're going to we're going to have a nice nice uh, introduction introductory meeting
0: and then when the time is right we'll have in person we cross paths we'll have in person exactly and and that's that that efficient we're all busy um, another thing is technologys made the world much faster than it's ever have we're moving much faster just like you said you want the answer in 45 minutes or an hour it used to take one to two days you want it now because it's like did he get my message did they get my message did they <laughs> you want that did I did, I, did I did they read it now now that we have the tools it says do we read it or not they read right, it or right. replied so these are and we we actually technology builds anxiety within ourselves in my opinion <laughs> we really build anxiety in and, and sure. sometimes it's calm myself down, relax, you know, kind of relax, but it, it speeds everything up. And, uh, but overall we are the foundation of the, the supply chain for electronics. We are changing the world. We're, you know, our company's supplying some of these leaders of building these gadgets. We're also helping design some of the products. And so the distribution, the reps, the distributors and the manufacturers are the basis, but we were, I would say old school, traditional processes that now in this next decade needs to really catch up to the technology that we're supporting.
1: And and everybody honestly has to become more open with each other, become more collaborative because the days of the Lone Ranger are gone. If you're a rep, we tell the reps, if you're a rep and you're not working with the distributor and you're trying to go because the distributor has a competing line, the distributor may know more about that customer than you do. If you're a distributor and you're trying to go alone, you don't want to work with the rep because the rep likes one of the other distributors you think better than you, and you're trying to go alone. The rep can help. Together, you're a lot stronger with the customer than you are individually. And we tell people you've got to collaborate more uh, or it, it, you you will be less successful in front, especially if you get two different messages going to the customer. The rep's telling them one thing, the distributor's telling them the other thing. It's the same product. And the customer will say, why don't you two people get together? Yeah. Because the manufacturer's rep is the extension of the manufacturer. It's a crazy thing that we don't uh, talk to each other more. And we've been trying, honestly, for the last five, six years at ERA to open up that communication and communicate because together you're stronger in front of the customer.
0: Yeah. And, you know, as you call it. Like my enemy is my best friend you know that's basically can come out to be and that's one thing in this industry i've grown up in this industry and i've seen it because a lot of i mean to be honest a lot of egos a lot of things come your ego and your things come first before we're all people you know and if you judge a book by its cover or you judge because there's competition your competition there's enough business for everybody in this world as the the $500 billion of components we're using you know, this this year, for example, we're going to, buy the next second, we're going to use $1 trillion. How much business? It's enough business, and it's exponentially growing, so it's enough business for everybody. A piece of the pie is there for everybody, and we can help each huh. other. And that's one thing that a lot. Of, I get some feedback from a lot of uh, people, like, oh, you're bringing your competition on your show, or you're talking to competition, or you know what? I'm like, why not? We share, <laughs> collaborate, we grow, we learn. You know, I have one of our big competitions, a multi-hundred, two, three hundred million dollar company has invited me to come to their office and hang out. like, I think maybe five years ago, maybe I wouldn't, maybe I'd be a little more intimidated, but now I'm like, sure, I'm going to come over, check it out, we'll have lunch, I'm going to check out your operation, what's going on, they love me. This would, I think it's happened because I, I, I made the first intention. I put myself out there that I'm open to discuss with my competitors who they are, distributors, manufacturer, whoever they can be. We're open because we grow together, we learn together. And also there's a lot of wisdom out there in the next five teams, a lot of succession husbands for myself. I want to learn from that wisdom to understand, okay, how did we get here? What are we doing? Because that helps us make better calculated decisions,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, yeah, and that's, true. that's not, that's not done enough in our industry. Cause it's very, as we say, we're a bit, the, the, we are very, sm, sm, I would say silent, Industry, but we're very big in the same way. We're small community, but we're huge in power and insights. And the EDS was pick out the EDS. EDS was a show when I used to go. I was very intimidated when I walked in there because everybody's in suits and coats, and nobody like and their elevators go up and down, but nobody even talks to each other. And like I used to, oh, that guy's from that company, but it kind of like, should I say yes or should I say hello? It's like, how can we make everybody more open? And um, that's one thing I'm like, free for the EDS show. Maybe for you guys, should do a thing with all the executives and C levels and bring in all the new generation of people coming in and just have a one-on-one talk with people. Say, answer a question, put them on stage or put them in front of people to have that open up. Cause so they don't feel the fear of you know talking to someone like that. You know, it doesn't matter. We actually do.
1: We actually run a spark session. Spark, yeah. To take take people in the industry three to five years and we expose them to the Sea level uh, people that come to the show, yeah, it's, it's Spark. It's a, it's a great program.
0: Yeah, Spark. You had it online this last year, which That's was actually right. worked very well. I heard it was very successful. Right. Very successful. Very successful. That Spark, that Spark uh, influence that goes more moving forward. But you know, getting back to really what's going on. So, what is your insight for the next? I would say because of the, of course, Electronic Representatives Association. You're 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 representing reps, but now and distributors and manufacturers now. How do you think for the reps? How do reps need to evolve in the next stuff? Uh, I would say, a few years, the next five years. What do they need to do, and what are you guys doing to really give them the tools to evolve their their companies, corporations, moving forward?
1: Well, it's a great question. So uh, manufacturers reps continue to uh, reinvent themselves. You know, the days of uh, of uh, of a rep just, you know, sort of going along and, you know, have two or three lines and two or three customers and sort of clipping coupons of those, those days are long gone. Uh, Reps have, uh, generally speaking, when they need to hire people, they're hiring double E's. Probably half the rep sales force in in North America are are degreed engineers. Uh, They need to continue to show value for what they do. You know, obviously during the times of, of COVID, Uh, the reps are always in the field. The reps own the territory, you know, to use a cliche term. So, you know, the reps are never, if I'm the rep in Boston, I'm never going to leave Boston. So I get lines, lines come and lines go. But I know that Rob is the design engineer at Raytheon, and I know you. And so if a new line puts me on, it might take this, or they put on a direct salesperson that that comes in from California. They'll They'll never get an audience with Rob. It might take them two years to find you because you don't work at Raytheon. You work out of your home in New Hampshire. So the reps need to make sure that the manufacturers know that throughout the times of COVID, not only have they maintained their relationship with their customers, but also have attracted new customers. We need to make sure that people know that, number one. Number two, look what's happened in the last year. You can't find people. We have a lot of recs open right now for direct salespeople, regional managers. And we're saying to people, Hey you know, we'd, we'd love to have you consider using the rep model. The reps are available right now. You could hire the rep today and hit the street running by hiring experienced salespeople, double E uh, salespeople that could that could take the product to market. rather than you trying to find somebody, it's going to take you three to six months to find them, onboard them, train them, move them and all that and it's a fixed cost. So to answer your question, re- reps need to continue to reinvent themselves. They need to, uh, some of them are getting into area or value added. Some of them are getting into representing software. Some of them, some of the newer technology that they can take on because they're degreed engineers. Yeah. Uh, a major, major semiconductor uh, manufacturer is putting reps back on. And they've been very successful in finding reps that can, that can sell this highly technical uh, product because the, the reps are very technically competent. So reps need to continue to skate where the puck is going uh, and uh, continue to evolve and continue to uh, make sure that they remain relevant uh, and, uh, and can deliver good value for their principles.
0: Yeah, I mean, they have to, they have to live in the digital world. They have to live the presence. They have to have build a brand. In my opinion, that's the biggest thing that I see that can improve is branding. The reps need to build the branding for the specific areas, the products they do, and build that digital presence. I know you're supporting that ERA, is really pushing that to help them do that. But that's the biggest thing for reps. Is you know, we're uh, we're in Southern California. There's probably I don't know, the 20-25 reps down here. And not, I mean, they know each other, but no one really knows them except for the relationships. No one, they don't, the branding is not there. The only branding is within the industry. But when new people come in and they go search XYZ manufacturer to design in, the rep is not there. It's the distributor or it's something and they sometimes we'll just choose a online product instead of having someone to represent them unless the lead Mm. manufacturer and pushes it to the distributor. But these days, a lot of stuff gets lost in that. So these are a lot of things that I think for the rep side that I know they're improving. I could see it. It's really fascinating, but there is a change, change Mm. management, operational change management. We often do with technology. Right. Right. Yeah. So, but now moving forward to, the relationship between the manufacturer distributors, because distributors are coming to the point of technology based they're holding the inventory and they're becoming this, and the, the the manufacturer and the distributor and then the manufacturer and the manufacturer cuz i want you to explain this very clearly the representatives are a sales arm of the manufacturer that's correct the distributor now is the i would say the stocking the person mm-hmm. has the inventory does the management and they process so the the the, the rep does all the design, brings the lead or catches lead and follows up, qualifies it, designs in a product. And then when you need a sample that gets passed to the distributor and mm-hmm. the main distributor might have stock or goes to the manufacturer and pulls that. And then it goes vice. So that's, that's the, the, I would say the loop or the, that I would say the loop that goes through that. Correct. Yeah. The, the, the,
1: the, the manufacturer certainly has a channel strategy has a sales strategy. They use manufacturers reps. Yeah. The rep is generally out there. Uh, the rep, has probably in some cases five to fifteen lines. They have complementary technology. They're out there trying to trying to focus on their fifteen lines. The distributor might have you know 150 or 550 lines. They have lines to compete with the rep, but the the uh, the distributor also does a lot of demand creation or demand, demand identification. Sometimes they highlight the target. They bring the manufacturer's rep in. They go in and they secure the registration design one. So the, so the reps and the distributors are partners. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not competition. There's no penalty uh, to the, rep, uh, the rep's commission if the order uh, get, goes through a distributor. Most reps take very few, if any, orders direct. Mm-hmm. They all go through a distributor. I mean, a rep doesn't want to go around opening up lines of credit and passing out credit applications or collecting money. Most of the customers the rep is calling on already have an account uh, with, you know, certainly uh you know probably two or three or five distributors the rep gets the opportunity the rep gets the the uh, the opportunity tells the customer hey these are my authorized distributors abc place the order with them and the rep gets paid commission from the manufacturer based on what the uh distributor sells and and, uh, furnishes them a p a point of sale report so they know that these are the sales and the rep gets paid commission on what goes through the channel so they're very much not competitors; they are really partners in uh, the uh, in the marketplace.
0: Yeah, I mean that's that's the synergy that they put together, you know. And I, I it's really rem- remarkable what has transitioned for the last what fifty years. How long has the rep business been in model been in place?
1: Well, it's a great question. The reps really all started off as stocking reps. Okay. So the reps before there were distri- distribution, the manufacturer would put Rob on in Southern California. You're my rep, but you were really my distributor. So you put some inventory, you put some inventory in your office and you became the stocking rep. Uh, you know, you would sell to it. There were no arrows, there were no avnets, there were no digi-keys or futures. And what happened is, as the manufacturers became more sophisticated, they need somebody that had more, more substance and more financial wherewithal Than these these individual reps. So they started giving franchises to the Abnets of the World and the Arrows of the World or the Hamilton Abnets of the World or the Futures of the World. So the stocking rep, if you were the stocking rep in Southern California, you can't compete with TTI or Digikea Arrow. So the stocking reps morphed uh, to, most of them morphed to non stocking reps. Some of the stocking reps became distributors. Okay. Uh, so that, uh, that's, that's the evolution. The rep model in Europe is still very much, uh, stocking reps. Oh, uh, really? They, yeah. It's very much that. Uh, and they're quickly transitioning to the North American model, but the reps, uh, used to be stocking reps. Uh, I, I couldn't tell you one rep today in North America, that's a stocking rep. There may be one off uh, line. That's a one-off that they have some inventory Maybe it's a scope, maybe it's a meter, maybe it's some sensitive equipment that they sell for, but generally 95 plus percent of the sales that a rep generates all go through a distri- uh, distribution.
0: Yeah, well, thank you. That You know, it, that knowledge to understand really the basis of where it comes from, I think a lot of people, some people don't know. They just assume, you know, how was it created? What's the history? How does it work? How does it operate? um and uh, you'd be fascinated by, i've asked a lot of people the same question and sometimes they just say uh reps just represent items and distributors are there and there's a manufacturer and i'm like how why did how did we get here as you would say how did we get right. here how did this right. work but thank you for articulating that in a simple form it's right. very right. understandable for the for the audience to understand that so moving forward i want to see is the next year what is in store can you, can you share some fun stuff that era has in store for it's it's, its, its all its members or future members
1: Well, uh, we are looking at our website. Uh, First of all, we are hopefully gonna be announcing by year-end a a better tool to help uh, manufacturers uh, find reps, put reps on based on specific territories. You know, our chapters are really based on DRA chapter geographies. And, you know, if a rep decides to put a, I'm sorry, if a manufacturer decides to put a rep on in New England, well, does New England include Connecticut? You know, New England has historically been the five New England states. Connecticut sometimes is part of New York, sometimes it's not. What about Westchester County? How do you divide California? There's Northern Cal, there's Southern Cal, but there's Southern Cal, there's San Diego. So we're trying to come up with a a cleaner tool to help manufacturers find and identify reps, perhaps give them some visibility to uh, DTM numbers. Perhaps give, I get called all the time. Hey, which zip codes do you include in the in the Southern California? Yeah. You know, and, and so we don't have we're developing the software now to, to say a manufacturer. These are the zip codes so the reps can get properly paid. If you look at Texas, you know, what's Texas? Well, some of the some of the border, the McGillador is in Texas selling to Mexico, but they report the P.O.S. in Texas because they only they're not the rep in Mexico. Um so we want to try to clean that up a lot. Uh, so we, we've got some, some, some things in store to help our website. We're also, you know we're doing this virtual sales training. It's been hugely successful. <clears throat> we may decide to make this an annual event. Uh, we're certainly focusing on our, uh, our in-person uh, uh, conference in February in Austin, Texas. Uh, we'll continue the podcasts. We'll continue the water cooler calls. And, you know, frankly, we'll continue to do uh, provide value to our members, not value to the association. We try to always focus on what's good for the members. We'll end up being good for the association versus let's do what's good for the association. Maybe it trickles down to the members. We're always focusing on what's good for our membership. What do they need from us? And uh, so uh, but, you know, we, we're small, you know, we're not for profit trade association. We don't have millions of dollars. We have precious capital that we're investing in. You know, tools and uh, websites and podcasts. Uh, we're trying to we're trying to skate where the puck is going all the time.
0: Yeah, I, I can give that to for anybody. Listen, the the ERA conference I which it, it will be in Austin next year. Right. For me, it was very eye opening. It was great. It, it was. I love how you put all the breakout sessions. Very informative. The things you cover. Um, and I know you're getting more and more savvy on things that you know, anticipate what people need instead of just, you know, put the same thing over and over again. And it's very beneficial. And everybody that's um, if you're not a member, a member, you can still go. Correct. If you're not a member, you can still join. Correct.
1: The, 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 the conference is open to both members and non-members. There is a price difference if you're a member of ERA, but it's open okay. to uh, the, the what I call members and not yet members rather than non-members. Uh, we'd love to have people join the join the organization. It's open to manufacturers, reps and distributors. And, uh, you know, we think we provide a good vehicle. We had about 450 people at our last in-person conference. We moved our conference to a bigger ballroom uh, inside of the AT&T Center, so we could probably hold well over 500 people, uh, uh, you know, safely uh, in February in Austin.
0: Yeah, it's a wonderful experience, and I love it, and I can't wait till the next one. Um, right. So, finally, what is, um, what is your – what is your outlook? We have went a little over what you think. What is your outlook for really the next year to two years of electronics and the electronics industry in general? What do you What do you What do you, what, what are you looking for? What are you excited for? Nothing. Nothing but up. Nothing uh, but electronics up. is
1: everywhere. Uh, you know, automobiles. Uh, again, you know, Toyota just d- d- shut down production because they couldn't get semiconductors and sensors and all that. Nothing but up. Electronics is pervasive. Uh, we need to make sure that 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 uh, our customers are getting the latest technology backed up by a solid supply chain, uh, you know, backed up by by solid technical uh, resources. But nothing but uh, full speed ahead, Rob, uh, you know, everybody in in the whole industry, uh, you know, it's it's affecting every every part of your life, uh, virtual learning, this kind of stuff. Who knows what the next next technology will be? Uh, automobiles, uh, all the all the things, all the tools that we use, um, but nothing but uh, full speed ahead. Uh, I'm very bullish. It's a great industry. For all of us that have been in it or are in it now, congratulations, you picked a great, great industry to be in. It's up and to the right.
0: I love it. Well, thank you, Walter. Thank you again for being a guest on Real Talk. You always bring the wisdom, knowledge, experience, and really, you know, the positivity, the optimism. What we want to do, and and this is what we need from our leaders out there in the industry. And for me, it's always I lead by example, and I'm, I'm following your coattails of the positivity we do, and move from there. So, thank you very much, Walter, and uh, and take care. And I can't wait to see you and see you in person. Hopefully, then within. The- you must, next six months.
1: That'd be great. Uh, well, well, thanks, Rob, for having me on. Uh, I enjoy your your, uh, your talk, the real talk, uh, brand, Brandon. Uh, uh, congratulations to you and the visibility you've given to IBS. You, know, you folks have risen like the phoenix in the last <laughs> two years, and uh, kudos to you and kudos to your organization. You've really uh, you've really kind of grabbed the industry by the horns and uh, have really got a nice job branding yourself. So, congratulations.
0: Thank you, thank you, and uh, and as I said, it's all we're all human. We all like you know, and we're people. So I'm not trying to hide behind any any curtain or any door. We're all here, and this is who we are. And I just want to share the knowledge. And as I said, thing is, be be smart, be thoughtful, be generous. Is my always slogan, right? That's what it is, and that's what the real talk was based off of. So thank you again, and uh, take care, and I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Rob. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye.